Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant looking spry. Are you spry, Grandma? Here comes the sun. (laughs) What? Here comes the sun. This reminds me of the sun podcast. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad. There's not nearly as much physics to it, especially not particle physics or spooky physics. It's pretty straightforward, really. Uh, It was very richly detailed, dense in structure and content. But really, if you break it down, volcanoes... Well, that's what that's what we're paid to do, Chuck, and that's what we are going to do. Yep. Let me do my intro first. Did you ever see Joe versus the Volcano? One of my favorite all-time movies. All-time. Oh, yeah. Like, probably top five. I've, I've seen it at least 12 times. It's so great. Mm-hmm. The pre-serious Tom Hanks best role? Yeah. I think so. Beats the tar out of Bosom Buddies. I'm a big bachelor party guy. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Um, but in this movie, he is sent to Wapani Wu. Right, which means uh, little island with big volcano. The big woo. To right to mm-hmm. jump into the big woo. Yeah. To basically appease the Waponies. Yeah. Um, who need somebody to sacrifice himself into the volcano to yeah. calm the volcano god so everything can keep going on. Right. And they can keep drinking their orange uh, soda, which yeah, they're famous for loving. Yes. Was it Fanta? Uh, I think it was uh, ND brand. Okay. For the movie. Um, so. You remember then when he jumps in, what happens? Well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but you remember what happens, right? Yeah. Okay. Chuck, do you realize that as of this week, we've reached a weird point in our life where we can explain what happened Yeah. in that movie? Because it's not explained by the great John Patrick Shanley. He wrote and directed that. No. But he, didn't, he didn't need to because it's a movie. Yeah. But isn't that weird? That were we sitting next to our other significant others watching this movie, we mm-hmm. could turn to them and say, here's actually what what happened. And this is the type of thing that just happened. Yeah. Of course, it really wouldn't happen that way, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, because we've been chastised for spoiling like 30-year-old movies before. In series that ended like 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Good e- series, though. E.T. phoned home. <laughs> Let's talk about volcanoes and how they work. Josh, a volcano, a lot of people might say, is a big mountain with a square top that spits fire everywhere and kills people. I don't know about square top. That is not true because any place on the planet Earth where the Earth, uh, the inner Earth leaks out into the outer <laughs> Earth is a volcano. Wherever Earth gets a boo-boo yeah, pretty is much. a volcano, yeah, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the Earth is composed of three. We should we should really just do the broad stroke basics real quick, right? Sure. The Earth is composed of three general mega layers, right? Yeah. You've got the thinnest layer, which is the outer crust, which mm-hmm. is what we walk around on, which is the bottom of the ocean, that kind of thing. Twenty to forty-four miles deep on land, and that sounds no on. Yes, you're right. That sounds super big, but that's actually really thin. So from its thinnest part at the bottom of the ocean, it's three miles. Down, deep, yeah. or thick, up to, like you said, yeah, 44 miles, right? And then under that, you've got the mantle, right? Yep. And then you have the inner core, which is um, where the uh, the inner core, the inner earth people live, right? Yeah, and the mantle's the biggest part, really, really hot, but not melty, because no. of one word that is the key to all things volcano. Pressure. Pr- pressure. Pressure. 
any time, like everything about volcanoes is is pressure related. It seems like it's it, yes somehow and it's hot enough. This so this mantle it is solid, but it's so it's hot enough to melt. But the pressure is so great it can't melt. It can't be liquid. It's forced yeah. to stay in the solid form, right? Yeah. Um, the other key thing that we need to we need to touch on before we get into volcanoes is the um continental drift theory plate tectonics yeah right that there are uh, at least seven large plates and some minor plates as well dessert plates that are the outer crust Mm -hmm. that are moving over the um mantle via the asthenosphere and that's like this kind of liquid layer this lubricating layer yeah between the crust and the mantle right and then so Anytime these boundaries, where these boundaries are, there's there's a potential for volcanic activity, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the all-encompassing explanation for volcanoes, right? That's right. There are several ways that volcanic activity can occur as far as plate tectonics goes. Let's cover those first, Chuckers. I'll take the first one. Okay. Uh, these plates can move uh, away from each other sometimes. Not necessarily toward each other. They can move away. When they move away from each other, um, if you're, uh, it's, if it's over water, I'm sorry, underwater, under the water. Right. <laughs> it's so specific. Subsurface. It's not, yeah, subsurface. Then that's an ocean ridge. If it's under the land, it's a continental ridge. Right. And uh, these plates drift apart, and then the mantle all of a sudden doesn't have as much pressure, so it can actually melt, finally, because it's so hot. Right. And then it bubbles up through the little cracks there. Then once it gets there, it gets cool, hardens again, forms an all-new crust, and kind of just fills up that gap. Exactly. And that's called spread spreading center volcanism. And that's where two plates are moving apart. Moving apart. Now, if you uh, want to talk about subduction zone volcanism, which I do, if you'll yeah. allow me, that's where two plates are moving together. And if you remember from the earthquake podcast, we covered a lot of this and that too. A subduction zone is where one, where plates are pressing up against one another and one is pushed under the other, right? Yeah. This forms a trench, a hole in the earth. Big time. Okay. So with the uh, spreading center volcanism, magma uh, flowed out because of this, uh, this lower pressure. It was allowed to go to its liquid form with, um, subduction. We we haven't said what magma is. That's, uh, liquid rock. Nice, Chuck. Very important. It is. This is the this is what makes up the mantle for the most part as well. Yeah. Right. So this is the stuff that can that is very hot, but is under so much pressure it stays solid. Well, I think it becomes magma once it turns fluid. Okay, and then once and here's the distinction between magma and lava. Once it exits the earth, it becomes lava. It's lava. Yeah. So go ahead. Okay. Nice one, Chuck. Good, good catch. Thank you. Um, so with uh, subduction zone volcanism, uh, the magma uh, actually the melting point is lowered uh, with the introduction of water. So either water enters the trench created by the subduction zone or um, ambient water from the rock around it enters it. Yeah, or it's like it's squeezed out of it. Exactly. Yeah. So either way, this introduction of, of water lowers the melting point and allows this uh, the mantle to become magma as is its destiny, right? So that's colliding and then shifting under one another. Subduction. You can also collide, and you just collide. You meet each other head on, two plates collide, right. and boom, you've got mountains. Not volcanoes. You do. Right, it, it, right, but this is usually just a subduction zone that hasn't happened yet. Eventually, one of them is probably going to slip under the other, and bada boom, bada bing. 
But, we but for the meantime, they're just it. like a yeah. couple of rams. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got uh, plates moving up against each other. I think that was a slip strike fault, wasn't it, in the earthquake podcast? I don't remember. I think it was, where they're just like one's going south and one's going north. Right. Um, that forms a transform plate boundary, and there's almost never volcanic activity. Right. Uh, there's another way they can form, and this is uh, kind of a cool one, uh, interplate uh, or hot spot volcanic activity. Right. We should say that everything we just talked about, all of those were found along plate boundaries. Yeah, on This boundaries. is like within a solid plate, right? Yeah, within a plate, you can get a hot spot in the middle of it because the mantle uh, basically forms a, a hot plume. It comes up from the bottom and gets hotter and hotter, and then it eventually reaches you know right underneath i guess i guess the lithosphere (laughs) (laughs) i guess the lithosphere and creates a hot spot and it's really an unusual heat it uh, forms magma right under the earth's crust right and that stays there but then the plates move over it and as each plate moves over it it forms a whole string of little volcanoes which is uh, how the hawaii volcanoes were created yeah 70 million years old, by the way. Very old. This is a very slow process, but it is yeah. a process. If you sped it up really fast, sure. you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, this plate's moving over it. And that's, yeah. that's that hot spot volcano, right? Yes. Interplate volcanic activity is what it's called. Yeah, and uh, I think they point out that most of the land volcanoes are the subduction zone that you mentioned, and then the hot, hot spot ones. Right. And then in the ocean, it's mostly the um, spreading center of volcanism, I believe. Yes. Right? Yes. All right, so Chuck... We've got magma, right? Yeah. Or let's say we don't have magma. We have a mantle. Yeah. And then something happens, so this this uh, mantle shifts a little bit uh-huh. and starts to move upward. Right. Right. Um, something is something is given way to the the downward pressure of the rock surrounding it, and yeah. so this magma, which is hot, it's just under a lot of pressure. Right. Uh, and it wants to be liquid. It's less dense, and it's able to move up. Yeah. The further it moves up, the less pressure there is. Yeah. So it's just going to keep going upward and upward and upward. Yeah. And that's how magma starts to move toward the Earth's surface, right? Yes. And one thing, I, I used to build ponds for a living. And one thing that is, uh, you'll find when you ever try to build a pond, water is very lazy. And it wants to go to the path of least resistance, liquids oh, yeah, sure. are, right? Yeah. So it will always find something you overlooked and, and cause a leak. Yeah. Same thing I imagine with... Lava or magma. It's liquid, so it's going through any crack or crevice it can find. And as long as the upward pressure created by the lower density of the magma is greater than the downward pressure of the surrounding rock, it'll keep going up. Yeah, but once there is enough pressure, like let's say it just kept going up and eventually would spew out and you've got a volcano. But if there just happens to be enough pressure and it's like, no, stop, then it kind of has a little waiting zone in a magma chamber. Right. And it just fills up and it's like, I can wait 70 million years, Yeah, brother. but it's waiting. Right. Don't don't be mistaken, brother. It's now, there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh, we just sounded like ZZ Top. I know. Um, Jerry liked that one, didn't you? I know. So, Chuck, um, that explains how lava enters the Earth's crust, holes in the Earth's crust, mm-hmm. and creates um, what we'll talk about in a second, Hawaiian-type volcanoes. Hawaiian-type eruptions, I should say, where basically the lava is just coming out, bubbling up over the surface and flowing real slowly, right? Um, creating little uh, lava ponds right, and craters and stuff like this. Just, it's cool looking. Sure. Not very dangerous if you can walk at all. Yeah, I mean, it's slow. Right, or even drag yourself slowly. You could probably beat the lava. Yeah. 
But the one that everybody wants to know about are eruptions, like the spectacular, like the um, Iceland volcano. Right. I'm not even going to attempt a pronunciation of this, which, by the way, cost at least $1.7 billion to the airlines alone in lost revenue. Really? Yeah. Um, That was a stratovolcano, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay? Yes. But with a huge explosion, it's not just this lower density of the, the, the magma. No. It's, it has to do with the gases inside, and magma is what magma eats, right? Yeah, and it, I mean, this is sort of like the, uh, it reminds me of the Lake Nyos uh, exploding lakes. It's, it's a buildup of gas pressure internally within the magma. Uh, it's a lot of dissolved gas, and they're, they're stuck that way, dissolved, which is all fine, and they're kept, you know, thanks to pressure, confined in there. Uh, but when the vapor pressure gets greater than the pressure surrounding it, it forms little vesicles, which are little gas bubbles. And then it's go time. And that's when you know you got some trouble because those bubbles they got to get out. It's like a soda soda can. It's exactly like it's the exact same principle of a soda, right? So if you open a soda, all the bubbles rush to the top. And that's right? if it's just a regular old non-shaken. Yeah, touched it or anything. Yeah. If you shake it up, you're actually mixing those bubbles in with the liquid. Mm-hmm. So when those bubbles rush to the top, they're going to bring a lot of the liquid with them. This is the same exact principle yeah. that's behind a volcanic eruption, okay? But in this case, magma is the soda. Exactly. Yeah. And the bubbles are the gases from the dissolved rock. Yeah. Okay? Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So then there's two factors. You said that um, that pressure was had everything to do with volcanic activity. Sure. With eruptions, there's two um, two factors, two general factors that really have an effect on what kind of volcanic volcanic eruption mm-hmm. takes place, and that is viscosity. Yeah. Which is I can never keep it straight, but now I, I've got it. Viscosity is the ability to re- resist flow, right? Yeah, it's Thick opposite of thin. being fluid. Right. If it's high viscosity, which means it has a high ability to resist flow. Yeah. Which means it's thick stuff. It's molasses. Yeah. If it has a low ability to resist flow, meaning you're pouring something out of a cup and creating flow, if it has a low ability, it's going to flow very easily and quickly out of it. So it's low viscosity. So viscosity and the amount of gas bubbles present are going to determine what kind of volcanic eruption you have, right? If it's uh, high viscosity, which means it's very thick, then it will be a big eruption. Right. Because it tried very hard to get out. Exactly. And then the opposite is true if it's uh, low viscosity. And the more gas is present, the more, imagine just these little bubbles, the more little bubbles there are trying to get out, the higher the viscosity, the harder they're going to try to get out. And then when they do get out, kaboom. Right. Which is determined by how much silicon is in the magma, which I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. Or not weird, but just I had no idea. So, Chuck, we have, um, when when it does go kaboom, that's called the eruption column, right? It's composed of hot gas, ash, pyroclastic rocks, which is lava in solid form. Yeah. Right? Um, and that one that one flow I was talking about in Hawaii, the real slow kind of lumbering flow where it's just yeah. bubbling over, it's effusive. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's not super dangerous because it's so slow, but it, it, it's still destructive. Eventually, yeah. Slowly destructive. If you're a plant that's stationary, yeah. it's, you're in trouble. Because plants can't walk at all. Let's talk about the different types of eruptions, man. Yeah, there's a bunch of these. Uh, my favorite is the Strombolian. It's definitely the most delicious for of all clearly, the eruptions. For, for one reason and one reason alone. Uh, it's pretty impressive, not too dangerous. About 50 to 100 feet in the air. It's going to be spewing little short bursts. 
uh, very highly viscous. So gas really has to build up in order for this to happen. But they're pretty small eruptions, not much lava going on. They make a big boom. Yeah, a little ashy tephra, mm-hmm. which is always nice in your volcanic eruption. Right, and tephra is that, that fallen volcanic material. Yeah. A lot of things like uh, undergo a change in name after they become after they've been a verb at some point. Yeah. So like it, it goes from magma to lava to tephra. Yeah. Right. And that's all rock. Or it depends. It could be ash. Tephra is just any of the material that comes out of the volcano and is landed. Oh, I thought you said originally it was all magma. That's pi. Well, yeah. But yes, you're right. Rock. You're yeah. right. You're good. Good, Chuck. All right. And then we also have the Plinian eruption, right? Which the Big uh, Daddy. Yeah, this is the the type of eruption that covered that came out of Mount Vesuvius in I think seventy nine A D. Yeah. And covered Herculaneum and Pompeii. Yeah. Th- these are the big daddies that you think of when you think of volcano. The big upward thrust, the thirty mile <laughs> column of junk that is shooting out. That is the Plinian eruption. Right. Sustained that's, that's the one you think of. Yeah, I mean, it's bad news for anyone around there. Don't you think? I would think so, yeah. yeah. And not even right around there. I mean, like, it, it can shoot uh, pyroclastic material 30 miles into the air. Hundred, hundreds of feet per second. That's a big explosion, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so I imagine, I couldn't find, I looked all over the place to find out what type of eruption the Iceland volcano uh, underwent in April. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. But this sounds a lot like a Plinian eruption. Yeah. I mean, if they were shutting down air service in like Southern Europe because of the ash that had entered yeah. the atmosphere from this, uh, it sounds like it was probably Plinian. Mount St. Helens, I guess, was too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Basically, all the ones you can rattle off off the top of your head, yeah. there's probably Plinian volcanoes. <laughs> Strombolians don't make the news. No. Uh, what about the Hawaiian? Those are the really slow, effusive ones, right? Yeah, but they have like fire fountains. Like, they're cool to look at. For sure. And it's cool sounding. Yeah. <laughs> and they can produce uh, lava lakes, which are ponds of lava, craters. Pretty cool. Yes. I've never been to Hawaii, though. Have you? No, Strickland has. Oh, yes, he has. He loves talking <laughs> about the Hawaiian eruptions. Uh, he loves butchering the Hawaiian names of things, too. Are those other ones smaller and less frequent, the, the volcanian, hydrovolcanic, and fissure? Yeah, the most common eruption types are the Plinian, Hawaiian, and Strombolian. Okay. And then less common, like the real, like if you're an aficionado of, of volcanoes, right. then uh, you're going to want to know about the volcanian, hydro, hydrovolcanic, and fissure, like you said. The fissure has the curtain of fire. It occurs yeah. along like a, a, a trench. It's not like a mountain. It's... Basically, there's a a tear in the earth, right? And the the magma is becoming lava and like this big curtain of fire. Wow! You can't really call it anything else, and it be as dead on. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the the volcanian is cool because of the pyroclastic bombs that it will shoot into the air, <laughs> like football sized bombs of of hot rock. This is the earth being angry. Yeah. The gods are awakening. Well, this is the other saying, I'm I'm moving around, dude. And then hydrovolcanic, it bears a little um, explaining. This is a volcano that t- takes place not underwater, but near water, near um, a, a very high humidity area. And basically, the interaction of the water creates this chain reaction that turns the volcanic material into this fine ash, right? Um, it can also melt a lot of surrounding snow, um, which can cause landslides and a lot of trouble for people. Indeed. Yes. So those are the types of eruptions. Are you still awake, and are you still with us so far? <laughs> Ready? What's this? Caw-caw! Right. People are like, oh. Yeah. 
The sun. <laughs> uh, should we talk about the shapes or just the frequency of eruption? Well, let's talk about the shapes because okay. there's there's the basically there's three components to a volcano. Every volcano, right? Yeah. Um, you've got the magma chamber, which we talked about. That's where it builds up. Yep. You've got the central vent, which mm-hmm. is the the um, this little connecting area. This is where it starts to. This is the fissure that it comes out of. Yeah, connects and then the chamber got, to the crater. Right. You've got the summit crater, yeah. which is where it explodes out of, right? Yes. And then um, you've got different types of volcanoes, three main shapes. And the stratovolcanoes, so a stratovolcano with a plenty of eruption is what everyone thinks of as a volcano, yeah, right? The classic, the, what, what you would build for your uh, science school project with the baking soda, that's a stratovolcano. That's right. Unless you're a really forward-thinking kid and you're like, I'm going to build a scoria cone volcano <laughs> for extra points. <laughs> Which, actually, if you did do that, you'd be pretty smart because um, while the stratovolcano is the most familiar, the scoria cone volcano is the most common. Yeah, I guess that would be a very smart kid. Yes, and if there's any uh, seventh graders out there looking for a cooler volcano, yeah, if you want to add a little zing to your volcano, make a scoria cone and say, Josh and Chuck sent you. Yeah, and get prepared to be beaten. By your classmates. Scoria cones, by the way, if you need a little help, are um, they're smaller, they're uh, steep on both sides, um, and they're very wide, right? Yes. Uh, and they're usually composed of ashy tephra. Ashy tephra. Shield volcanoes, that's the last kind. Uh, they're wide, short, uh, low viscosity, dispersal of lava. So it's a, just a big oozing blob, basically, and it builds up into like a shield-like dome. And these, these erupt like every few years. Right. Very, very frequent. So um, we'll talk about eruption in a second. A good example of a shield volcano is Mount Aloha, and a good example of a scoria cone is Sunset Crater in Arizona. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. Chuck. Josh. You ever heard of Crater Lake in Oregon? Yeah. Yeah? It's gorgeous. Yeah, isn't there like a down World War II plane or something in there? I don't know. Or is that just like a Clive Cussler novel I'm thinking of? I have no idea. Um, well, Crater Lake was actually a, an extinct, we imagine, an extinct volcano. Um, basically, the magma chamber blew it all at once, collapsed in on itself. The the uh, crater collapses in on itself, and it eventually fills in with water. Yeah, it's called a caldera. Yes. Until it's full of water, then it's called a lake. That's right. <laughs> once again, add something, change the name. How many uh, volcanoes are there active right now, working in in the world today? I'm going to guess 400. You'd be off by about 100. 300? 500. Ah. What do you mean you're going to guess? You have the same information I do. I was trying to mix it up. (laughs) Uh, They are active volcanoes, 500 around the world, and the classification's a little inexact. Even the revised classification's a little inexact. I didn't see much of a difference, actually. Here's why, though. This is why... It's inexact and subjective because we don't have anything that won't melt if we try to really get a good look inside of a volcano. Yeah. So it's all just kind of like, well, yeah, it's smoking, so we're going to call that an active volcano. Remember the ones in, uh, there was at least one when we were in Guatemala, remember? Yeah. And one went off right after Jerry was there. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll find out after uh, we stop recording and ask her. Okay. So the classifications, even though... It's inexact. We will quote them here. Uh, if it's erupting, obviously, or, or demonstrating some kind of activity. Within recorded history. Right. Then it's active. And why we say it's inaccurate is because recorded history varies yeah. <laughs> big time. Uh, if it is uh, not showing any signs, but it has erupted. In Within the last, last 10,000 years. 
then uh, it is, you know, could potentially erupt again. So it's dormant, but it could it could go off. If it has not erupted in ten thousand years, then it's extinct. They they say, right? But I say, all bets are off, man. You never know. No, I agree wholeheartedly. I think um, if if you're dealing with plate tectonics and um, there's clearly not any kind of magma chamber around that we can detect. It probably is extinct. But as we said, they um, have revised the the rating of volcanoes, yeah. right? Um, so now, if it's showing anything, is that what you just did was the, the revised version? Because they really are similar to the original version. Yeah. Basically, the only change is it, now if it's showing anything, uh, then it's it's active, right? Yeah. Weird. And uh, here's the cool fact of the day, right? Uh, and any given day, 10 volcanoes are erupting. Yeah, that aren't a big deal, probably. Well, they are if you're standing next to them. Yeah, but it's, you know, not newsmakers, I would say. Yeah. And then one volcano is uh, thought to have wiped out an entire civilization, Santorini in Greece. Really? Yeah, the Minoan civilization suddenly disappeared, and they're starting to think that it was because... Uh, they melted? Pretty much, yeah. Well, that's it for volcanoes. If you want to see some really boss volcano pictures, I know where you can. Just type volcanoes into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. If you made it through this one, pat yourself on the back. But, hey, we've all got to understand volcanoes, right? All right? I think so, yeah. Uh, Since I said search bar, that means it's time for listener mail. So that is not only the end of volcanoes, Josh. That's the end of 2010. That is something else. Can you believe this? Can you believe... Another year. We're in the future. 2010. Like, I thought I thought it'd be in, like, spaceships and have pill meals that I could eat. I have pill meals in my pocket right now, if you want. Really? Sure. What you got? I have pot roast. Nice. And uh, turkey and stuff. You add water and it becomes a big meal, or you just eat it? And you just eat it. And it tastes like all that and get filled up. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, you know, at the end of every year, we like to say thanks, obviously. We're still on the air, and we wouldn't be if you guys weren't listening. No. We would be, you know, just doing our regular thing, writing the articles. Crying ourselves to sleep. Crying ourselves to sleep. Yeah, thank you for listening to all of you. Absolutely. All of you new people, all of you vets, all of you returning friends, everybody. Happy New Year to all of you. Very much. Um, yeah? Yeah, that's all I've got. I mean, I, d- I don't want to make a big deal out of it because I just <laughs> want to keep on going through 2011. Yeah. 2012. We're well, not, we're not here's, going anywhere. here's to the next uh, year and 11 months yeah. and 11 days left of Earth. Yeah. Right? You want me to sing uh, Auld Lang Syne? Please. Can or, we get Can we get Jerry to put it over? Or at least, Surely there's no rights on Auld Or at least uh, Fogelberg's uh, same Auld Lang Syne? Let's hear it. The saddest song in history? Oh, that is a good one. Oh, God. Let's hear it, Chuck. Oh, uh, no. Never. But I do have listener mail. Well, do you know what album that appeared on? Uh, the Innocent Age. Okay, so do you? <laughs> it, was it a good album? Yeah, I mean, I actually own that. I was a little kid. I was like 12 listening to that song thinking it was sad when I was 12. And that's Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's, what's the name? Same old thing, son. And what's the album? The Innocent Age. Okay. Uh, so this is listener mail, Josh, from uh, Kyle, and uh, this is about our, our Hanukkah podcast, Yeah, which we got some pretty good marks from, from our uh, Jewish friends. Yeah, we did, here or there. Although I will we say, got a good try. I had a few people <laughs> that are, are converted Jews say, hey Chuck, when you said it's not the same thing, that really hurt my feelings. Yeah. I wasn't saying for you, 
it, it's not the same for me. Like I would, I would feel like a, I would still feel like a goy. So it's not the same for you, but in Chuck's opinion of you, it's the same. Yeah, that's, that doesn't make you any less Jewish if you're if you've converted. I wasn't saying that at all. Gotcha, so I, gotcha. clear that up. I was kidding. Don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, hey guys, great job on the Hanukkah podcast. I'm a 17 year old from Des Plaines, Illinois. It's the home of the McDonald's Museum, right? Home of the first McDonald's. Yeah, that's what he says. Nice. I was raised atheist my whole life until the fourth grade, when I learned about religion. And uh, as much as research a fourth grader can do, I decided I wanted to be Jewish. I love this guy. In the fourth grade, he's like, I want to be Jewish. That's pretty cool. And he did it. I realized that in college, and I didn't do it. Right. Uh, I ended up converting, being bar mitzvahed, uh, learned Hebrew, and now plan on joining the Israeli army. Wow. I, yeah, I heard I heard about this. The real deal. Yeah. Uh, I find it to be an amazing religion, and I loved your podcast on it. I just want to show you something you might find interesting. Uh, Nun, Gimel, Hey, Shin, which appear on the dreidel in almost every country in the world. Neskadol Hayasham means a great miracle happened there. While in Israel, the dreidel says Nun, Gimel, Hey, Pay, which means a great miracle happened here. Cool. So in Israel, they have a different dreidel because it's like it happened here, not there. Uh, so I've always found that interesting. Just want to let you in. Thanks for the podcast. And that is from Kyle, the uh, new Jew. I really think Kyle was on NPR. I heard an interview with somebody who had converted in the U.S. and was now like going to Israel to join the Israeli army. Was it a young, um, a young guy like that? Yeah, he was youngish. Dude, it might be him. I wonder if it was. We'll have to check it out. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. He should have come to us first, though. I agree wholeheartedly. He's making the rounds of the media circuit, right? <laughs> hey, by the way. No, I mean, that's what he's saying to oh. everybody. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I was on Stuff You Should Know and NPR. Right. Yeah. Well, Chuck, again, happy uh, 2011 to you. Happy New Year. Congratulations, sir, on another year, making it through another year with me, having to deal with me. Hey, it's it. Every year gets easier. 2011 is going to be a breeze. Nice. <laughs> um, if you have a New Year's resolution that you think is worth writing down and sending to us, you can also bring it up on Facebook. I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff there. You can tweet it to us. S Y S K Podcast. Um, and if you want to, just put it in an email. If you're a confidential type, address it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you